to the ninth episode of the second season of Heart to Heart with Michael, a program for the bereaved community. Our purpose is to empower our community with resources, support, and advocacy information. This season's theme is a celebration of life, and we feel fortunate to have Matt Creighton on the program today. Those among us who have raised children with congenital heart defects know what it's like to constantly live under the specter of death. At various times, we have all looked over the abyss and more often than not pulled back safely. Some of us have not been so lucky and have lost children to heart disease. Our program today, Remembering Chase, takes a look at one father who lost a son to CHD and how it affected his family. Matt Creighton has two sons who were born with heart defects. Asa, born on the 8th of October, 1989, had an emergency surgery for coarctation of the aorta at 10 days of age and another procedure at 13 months. He has since been healthy and is now 28 years of age. Chase Aaron was born on the 26th of September, 1995, with hypoplastic left heart syndrome. He died on the 1st of February, 2002, at the age of six. The death of Chase devastated his family, and Matt separated from his wife two years after losing Chase. Matt would like to share his experience of parenting Asa and Chase, the changes his family has gone through, and his journey through grief, and what he has learned along the way to help others. Matt, welcome to Heart to Heart with Michael. Hi, Michael. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Tell us about your two sons in the early years. Well, Asa was born, as you said, in, in 1989 uh, with um, uh, coarctation of the aorta. He, at, at 10 days of age, he went into heart failure, and he had to have emergency surgery to correct that. Uh, and at 13 months, he had to um, have a catheterization to reopen the the aorta that had uh, started to close up again. Right now, he's a 28-year-old young man. He's uh, gone to college and got a degree in psychology and a master's in business. Uh, he's still trying to figure out his way in life a little bit, and he's been substitute teaching for the last few years um, in his hometown of Penyan, New York. Uh, he lives there with his mom right now. Uh, he's a great kid, very interested in, uh, still very interested in the video games and comics and and all of those all those things that, uh, that the millennials seem to be into these days. It's a great kid. Uh, Chase Chase was born in, in 1995, um, and as you as you described, he he had hypoplastic left heart syndrome. Before he was born, we we knew he was uh, going to have problems and need surgery. Uh, right after he was born, so he was born in Buffalo and transported directly to to the hospital in Pittsburgh, where where a surgeon was waiting for him, a surgeon that specialized in in these kind of problems. Uh, he spent his first month and a half of of his life in the in the intensive care unit down there, and um, finally got out of the hospital uh, right around Thanksgiving. Uh, they they did the first stage of the Norwood procedure, which is three different procedures. Uh, over the next four years, he, or the next six years, he had four, four surgeries total. And near Christmas of 2001, uh, after having a pretty good year of, of being healthy and, and active, uh, he got sick, uh, like a pneumonia type thing. Then he developed a, an arrhythmia, which turned out to be atri an atrial fibrillation. Uh, and then he went um, into heart failure from there, and um, then died on the first of February. Um, the you know the doctors in in Buffalo where we live uh, did not 
pick up on it very well, and um, he ended up going to Hershey for his final final treatment. Well, what are your favorite memories of the two of them together growing up as boys? One of the, my favorite memories of them is that is how much they just loved each other and <laughs> how they were protective of each other. Uh, they used to play play video games together, and and Asa would would let let Chase win and. It was just uh, it was their thing, their way of, of bonding. Um, sometimes all three of us would would get together and we'd play play these games together. We spent a lot of time in Ronald McDonald houses during Chase's mm-hmm. life, <laughs> for right, yeah. for better or worse. Uh, thank God they were there. But we spent a lot of time there and and playing video games there and playing all the all the games that they had at these places. Those are those are some uh, great memories. And, and they were always both of them, like I said, very loving. They loved each other. Uh, they got along really well. Uh, they were always trying to comfort other kids uh, when they were sad. Uh, they loved to laugh and tell jokes. Uh, Chase was always always wanting to tell a joke and uh, always had one ready when he, whenever we talked to uh, his grandma and grandpa who lived in Florida. Did you find that you were overprotective, or you wouldn't let them do certain things, or were they? kept away from other friends who might be doing more active things or was that just fine we let them kind of do what they could do uh mm-hmm. asa asa was had very few limitations mm-hmm. um so he could he could do pretty much whatever he wanted after after his uh after that second procedure mm-hmm. but we were we were definitely protective uh especially of of chase because his problem was uh, so much worse and uh, yeah, he but but he was a difficult kid to hold down. Uh, we always said that it was a great name for him because we were always chasing him around. <laughs> it sounds so much like my daughter, so much like her. I mean, you know, we didn't know what to do. We had never heard of heart disease before, and then suddenly we're in this world of it. And she was our third child, and she was keeping up with everybody else, and she was running and acting and playing. And I, my heart was dropping out every time she would like do anything because i just got so scared yeah yes we worried every time uh if there was any kind of impact sports especially we worried because that was that was one of the things that we were warned about yeah sure tell me something special about each one of them something really nice uh asa is um he was the uh, I guess they were two very different different kids though even though they they got along so well and every and and did have a lot of things in common very different kids uh, Asa was the he's the academic mm-hmm. he, he you know by the time he was uh, three or four years old he knew all the dinosaurs names <laughs> uh, he was he was into science uh, very much so uh, when he was that age I was in grad school and he used to come to school with me and he would sit on the floor and play with a lot of the gadgets that were in, in, in pieces and parts, electronic parts that were in drawers mm-hmm. uh, in the labs that I worked in. And he'd, he'd watch me while I do, did my experiments and, and built my, my little um, experimental setups and that kind of thing. And uh, he'd go down into the, the microscope labs and play with the microscope. So he was, he was always very interested in science and uh, kind of – kind of uh, really an academic kid, and he still is. He's still very, very much into um, uh, all of that stuff. Very, he can tell you so many facts about, about just about anything. <laughs> um, and Chase was, he was the athlete. 
that that kid could pick up any sport uh, that that he saw. All he had to do was see it, and he could do it. Uh, baseball, soccer, whatever. Even even um, he started to pick up a lacrosse stick uh, mm-hmm. that last that last those last few months that that he was here. He could do any. He played t-ball that uh, summer that he was five years old, or yeah, before he turned just before he turned six. He played. He was on a t-ball team, and uh, he could hit the ball. He he loved to be the last batter on the t-ball team mm-hmm. because the last batter he would he got to hit the ball and just run all the way around the bases. So, <laughs> and and that's when everybody that was on the base would just run in, and the, that inning would be over. So he get he could do that, and it would be like hitting a home run for him. So that's that was his favorite thing. And so even with his, you know, his low uh, low oxygen levels that he lived with every day, um, he he still liked to run. He he didn't care how out of breath he got. Night Forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Michael's program, please email him at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to our program. Can you tell us a little bit about the impact of losing Chase on your family? Um, in a word, uh, it was devastating. It, uh, it completely... Uh, devastated the family. Uh, we, even though he knew that Chase was not going to, pro- he probably wasn't going to live a long life. Uh, we certainly didn't expect that to happen when it did. Mm-hmm. He got, he did get sick that that uh, winter, and it just developed into this other thing. And ultimately, um, we when we took him to the doctor here in Buffalo, honestly, they didn't do what they were supposed to do and we ended up we ended up going to Hershey to his original doctor and surgeon down there and um, and by then it was basically too late he the arrhythmia had been going on for long enough that it was causing other problems one lung was collapsed they tried very hard to get that um, to get the fluid out of there they ended up putting a pacemaker in down there they uh, mm. they did everything they could and um, and it was actually after the pacemaker it looked like he was going to be okay mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden all of a sudden he just uh, he just died and um, my wife was with him and my son and I were actually off going to a movie because we thought everything was fine and you know when you have when you have two children and one is is so sick. Uh, you, you gotta. It's it's difficult to balance sometimes. So you, because the the one that's not sick feels left out, he feels neglected, and 
and we were at a point where we thought, okay, now I can uh, spend some time with with Asa. Uh, he and I we went to went to a store to get a, get Chase a little gift, and then we went to a movie. This just the two of us to give you know give him some attention, mm. and and that's when that's when Chase died. So I wasn't mm. even at the hospital at, when he when he died, um, and my wife was. One of the one of the uh, consequences of that is we we had very different experiences of his death. Right, uh, sure. She saw she saw sort of saw it coming, I suppose you could say, mm-hmm. uh, in a way uh, more so than I did because she was with him during the day there and, and kind of was able to see see what was going on. Uh, to me, to me and Asa, we left the hospital thinking we'd come back and and we'd actually be going home in a couple of days. That's so for for us it was uh, complete and total total shock. I know I know she was also shocked too that that this happened. Um, again, the, even though he was he was sick, we we certainly didn't expect expect yeah. that to happen. Sure, you never do. You never do. The the other thing that that really that really hit us hard was the fact that his doctor here here in Buffalo just just did not respond the way that he should have. Um, and in fact, we, we pursued mal- a malpractice suit against mm-hmm. them because of the laws, the wrongful death laws in New York State uh, regarding children, uh, the, no lawyer would, would take it. And, mm-hmm. uh, but although they would admit that, yes, there, there is a, a case here, uh, it was not financially worth their while to take it on. So, so we were sort of, we were, we were crushed in two ways, you know. Sure. Sure. It's devastating. Yeah. So all of that took its toll on, on the family. I myself just, uh, I was lost. I was completely lost. Did you find within the family unit that you could still find a way to support each other? It was very difficult. It was very difficult to do. I, I know for me, I had, I had a lot of trouble uh, doing that, uh, dealing with it was was so painful, mm-hmm. and and then discussing it with the other people, with the other family members, was also so painful that that we we all just I know for for me and I know I know Asa, we all kind of um, went into our own little our own little worlds, and and uh, and I know that that eventually uh, led to the end of the, the the marriage and the family. Did you find it anyway? Did you feel somehow guilty not being there i mean you mm. at a moment when you let your guard down and went to the movies with your other son which is a perfectly normal and natural thing to do and that's when it happened did did you feel particularly guilty about that or i did i did uh i i felt like i'd, I'd let him down that i should have been there because i, w- I want to say something right there um you're not alone there are a lot of people who at the moment when they let their guard down that's when these things happen our listeners should know this. This is not a, a, a moment to beat yourself up. Things happen that are beyond your control. And if you let your guard down for a moment or if you were with somebody in the family doing something for them, that's okay. And a lot of people have to get over that moment. Did you have to work hard there? I felt more guilty for not having done more at the hospital here in Buffalo. Uh, I mm-hmm. think that we put our faith too much in in the doctors uh, that it then and did not um advocate enough for for chase i know i know that's how i felt and and 
they let us down and i feel i feel guilty about not not being more more aggressive with them mm-hmm. um to to get them to do what they should have done and so that's where my guilt lies primarily mm-hmm. Well, again, I, I think, you know, we all think that we haven't done enough. And if we looked at it from an outside perspective, we've probably done more than we think we know. And I think the the biggest thing, I remember when I used to meet people who were coming into the world of CHD, just their children were just being born. The first thing I'd always say is, don't beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that also at the point of death, I think it's very important that you don't beat yourself up. It's it sounds so simple, but people really want to hurt themselves, and you shouldn't because, you know, first of all, these are things over which you have no control. And you also don't have this perspective to know that you really have done more than you think you have. And that's what I've seen, not just with myself, but with other people as well. I agree. From the, looking back, I can see that now. Were there sources outside of the family? Were there friends, maybe wider family members who came to, to be with you to help you through this? Oh, yeah. Her family lived in the area. They were helpful and supportive. Uh, my my extended family lives uh, mostly out of state and mm-hmm. down in Florida, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did what they could to, to help us. My dad was around. My mom had passed away just six months earlier, uh, so so she wasn't, wasn't there. I'm sorry to hear that. Honestly, it was all kind of a blur to me. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And, yeah. and in that blur, you lose the perspective. You probably were a better fighter than you remember. Okay, people tell me things like, well, you were a great father. I don't remember that. Mm. But I must have been because, you know, we did everything we were told to do. We did everything we knew to do. And if things happen, you know, they happen. There's this thing where when your child's in the hospital, you feel – like you're doing something if you're actually there. The truth is, it's not a whole lot you are doing. You're making yourself feel involved, and that's very, very important. I don't, I don't belittle that, not at all. But if you're not there and something happens, you didn't make it happen. Uh, we also had help from, you know, we were we were active in the church at the time, in the mm-hmm. Catholic Church, and um, they helped. They probably provided a lot of spiritual support mm-hmm. um, to the family, and and some of, and our friends did as well. And uh, you know, brought food and and spent time with us. Um, I myself ended up going into um, counseling mm-hmm. to help me, uh, and and it did help. I still still do it today because it's it just good. does it just helps me. Good. Um, good, know, good. I, I've actually I never really dealt with with the grief the way I should have. And um, so even, you know, still today, uh, I'm doing that. I'm still working through uh, some, of that, some of that grief that, that I'm still hanging on to. This program is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.hug-podcastnetwork.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. I was five hours old when I had my first surgery. The only advice I can really give someone like that is to be there for your family. This is life and you have two choices. You either live it 
or you sit in a corner and cry. I am Anna Jaworski and the host of Heart to Heart with Anna. Join us on Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time on Spreaker, our blog talk radio. We'll cover topics of importance for the congenital heart defect community. Remember, my friends, you are not alone. I am with Origami Owl Jewelry, and we personalize lockets. It has helped me heal so much by having that locket. I've had other friends and customers who have created lockets. They love their lockets, and they gift lockets to people who are bereaved, or they're celebrating somebody. To get your own Origami Owl locket, contact Nancy Jensen on Facebook or her website, nancydancyme.origamiowl.com. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our program, please send an email to Michael Lieben at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Michael. Before the break, you were telling me that your mother died six months almost to the day before Chase died. I want you to tell me a bit about how you think the two are related, and then I want you to tell me about the the day that he died and how that all sort of came together. Um, yeah, my mom died of, of ovarian cancer uh, very, very quickly uh, in the summer before uh, Chase died. So when Chase became sick and, and he died, there was some comfort in knowing that, that she was there uh, waiting for him, waiting for him. And something very profound happened. I, at least I, I saw it that even that day, uh, I realized realized that uh, the day that Chase died was very cold and rainy and, and just a, a miserable a miserable winter day in, in Pennsylvania, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And uh, when, when my son and I were gone, to, we, we had gone to the movies. Uh, we were going to stop at the store. Uh, when my son and I were coming out of the store, uh, it, was, it was sunny and warm, and it was, it was a completely different day. And that happened to be right about the time when Chase died, and and ever since then, I I knew I knew in my heart that that was that was when God uh, reached down and 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 rescued him. Mm. Uh, he was in terrible pain. He was suffering so badly. Um, I prayed for for God to take his pain away. And I prayed as hard as I could for that, mm-hmm. and and he did. He came down, and uh, I, f- I feel like he just reached down and saved him. Unfortunately, that meant taking him from us. But uh, I knew at that at that time he was okay, uh, even though it was it was still extremely difficult to accept. And and I knew also knew that my mom was there with him, his grandma was up there and waiting for him had they seen a lot of each other when when they were both alive they did actually they they helped us my mom and dad helped us move from florida to new york they came up to visit uh we we definitely went to visit them uh most often and um and we talked on the phone quite often so he 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 definitely knew his grandma and they had a good relationship so what can you share with the rest of us from this experience? What can you tell us that's helpful to people who are maybe looking down the barrel of that same gun right now? One of the one of the greatest lessons that that all of this that we that we um his mother and I especially got out of this all these experiences of being in hospitals, 
dealing with doctors, dealing with nurses, dealing with all of the all of that stuff that you that you have to deal with in a hospital is you have to be an advocate for your child. Mm-hmm. No one no one is going to take better care of your child than you. Mm-hmm. And um, you have to if if your gut tells you something that something's wrong, you need to you need to tell somebody. You need to tell the doctor. Um, mm-hmm. My wife I know she saved Asa's life by uh, because her instincts told us told her something's not right here with this infant. Even though it was her first child, mm-hmm. she knew something wasn't right. The doctors were telling her, "No, no, you're just being over uh, over dramatic. You're you're worrying too much about you know this is your first child." But, but she was right. There was something very wrong, and and we we followed it. She followed it. She contacted uh, another doctor, a heart doctor, and sure enough, uh, there was a problem. So, uh, and and with Chase, it was the same way. You know, she knew, she knew when things were going wrong, um, much more so than I I did. Uh, I, she just she just had those motherly instincts that told her that something's not right here, and I got to pursue it. And 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 she she really. Uh, was a huge advocate for him. You know, I had to do, I had to work a part of the time that that, the, that these kids were in hospitals. So she's there with them all the time. She was their advocate. She fought for them, and and made sure they got the care they needed. And I I think that's critically important for anybody that's going through this. I agree. I think that that's the most important thing you can do. And it's amazing to me that CHD of any any variety from the most innocuous to the most serious represents at least maybe more than 1% of all births. That means that if something's wrong, doctors really have to sit up and pay attention. And yet very often they'll tell you, well, you're a first time parent and relax and everything's fine. Because as far as they're concerned from what they can see and from their regular experience, everything is all right. But when it's not all right, they have to take that into account. And I think they need to trust the parents more. Parents are four more eyes on that child, mm-hmm. and you just got to keep them open and keep them working. You're right. If I could add one more thing is sure. that after it was all all said and done, and, and since and since Chase's death, you know, I've learned a lot about how how my son Asa mm-hmm. um, felt as he went through this uh, as a as a brother, and sure. as and as the child that wasn't sick, and I think that uh, I know I could have done a better job. Of making sure that Asa was, um, you know, was not put second so many times, and and but it's it's very it's a very difficult uh, balance to keep. But I, I think that's something that parents needed to pay attention to as they're going through it as well, because because that the other child can feel very left out and and it can have a, a very long term impact. You know, years later, my older daughter told me exactly that. She said she always felt second to Leo. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Kids are really resilient, and they really understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. And they know that if you're running off to the hospital, they have room for that. That's been my experience. And they grow up as better adults having been there. They grow up as better adults having seen what it's like to care for somebody. I'd like to go out with something a little more positive. So tell me what your family does individually or together to celebrate Chase's life today. I would say for for all of us, uh, one of the things that we do to celebrate his life is to try to keep his life fresh in our minds and keep uh, his attitude towards life fresh in our in our memory. He was a light. He was such a light 
uh, and he had an impact on everybody that met him and he lived life. He, he did not, he didn't worry about how much pain he was in. He didn't worry about the fact that he was at 75% oxygen <laughs> saturation. He just, he just lived. And so that's, so just, by doing that, I think we're we're celebrating him. The other thing uh, we did at his at the school that he was going to, he was in kindergarten at the time. We had a little award that was in his name, where we gave their kindergarten kids a, a little um, a monetary award. It went towards the tuition of the school. So that was another way. And his mom takes uh, extremely good care of his grave. Uh, and changes the flowers and, and celebrates his birthday and, and all that. I don't live, I live two hours away, so it's it's not so easy for me, but she's she's been uh, absolutely amazing when it comes to, to that and celebrating him there. And uh, so, and there's a lot of other kids that still remember him that, that live there. Sure, sure. I, I think both of you are amazing parents. I think his mother for what she does and how she was with him. And I think you too for being able to tell the story And that concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Michael. I want to thank Matt Creedon for sharing his sons Asa and Chase's journeys with us. And I hope his remembrance of Chase has inspired those of you who are listening. Thanks, Matt, so much for being with us. Uh, You're very welcome. And thank you for letting me share my story. I'll talk to you soon. But until then, please remember, our loved ones are still with us as long as we keep their memories alive. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you have gained strength from listening to our program. Heart to Heart with Michael can be heard every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next time when we'll share more stories.